So one thing that I've noticed is that no matter how much work you do and progress you make, life will always have its peaks and valleys. And for the last few months, I have felt as though I've been in my own version of a valley. And I think the beautiful thing about growth and really being on a path that you are sincerely aligned with, that is filled with things that are truly important to you, is that those valleys over time end up being higher than your peaks were years ago. And yet the emotions in the valleys are still the same, no matter how far you've come. The emotions still hit us because what we think should be and what is are not aligning. Maybe it's losses in business. Maybe things aren't going as well as you want them to go. Maybe it's you know trouble with, with one's health. Maybe it's trouble in a relationship. Could be trouble with family. Whatever that valley is for a person, regardless of how much growth that they've experienced and how much progress they've made on themselves, the emotions that we experience in those valleys are the same. Now, why is that? Now, being in a valley, one of the things that I turned to was the book Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Now, this is the first time that I've ever read any of her work, and I've heard really amazing things about it, but I decided to turn to it. And what I found as soon as I started listening to the book on audio and starting to do the work and the practices that are within it is that the book is very aligned with Zen Stoic philosophy, and it really helps you to shed away the story of what you think should be and start actually loving what is, to embrace what is. So it falls in line with the Zen Stoic intention of embrace, and it is a true practice of the embrace. Now, I think what's really interesting about this, and one of the things that said, that was said that initially hooked my attention while I was listening to the book in the beginning, was that suffering, it indicates the presence that there is an attachment to a thought that we have about something. So one of the reasons why the emotions, the negative emotions that we experience in a valid in a valley, when we're feeling despair, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling fear, or feeling anger, or regret, or hurt, all of those feelings, the reason why we are experiencing the same way, even if we've made a bunch of progress a lot of the time, is because of the attachment to the thought. It's not because we haven't gotten over those emotions. It's the attachment to the thoughts of how we think things should be. And so when we have an attachment to how we think the world should be or how we think the progress in our life should be, it creates that suffering that is caused through the attachment of those thoughts. So what is really beautiful about the work of Byron Katie in that book, Loving What Is, is that she actually shows you a way in which you can detach from the thoughts and start to align with the truth of what is. And reality is the ultimate truth. We always say things like, I should be more X, or this person should you know, really raise their standards and focus on their growth, or this person should be more competent, or this person should be kinder to me. And all of those statements are not aligned with the truth. Rather, they're aligned with what we think should be the truth, what we think reality should be. And so this is another thing that, you know, in the, in the same theme of this idea, I was listening to a lecture from Ram Das, and he was describing the same thing, is that a person isn't at peace because they're always thinking that reality should be slightly different than it is. If only I had the amount of money that I wanted, if only my body looked this particular way, if only I had this type of relationship, if only I had this type of career, or if only my family would understand me and not judge me, any of those statements falls into the fallacy of the I'll be happy when. Now, when we get into that fallacy, we're not never able to actually be present with 
where we are right now. We're never actually able to be at peace with what is because we've placed peace outside of us into some fabricated future uh, orientation of our lives. So doing the work of Byron Katie, using the four questions that she mentions in the book and allowing yourself to really cut to the core and cut to the truth of all the thoughts that you have that are creating your suffering has been of tremendous value, especially being in a proverbial valley. Now, one of the reasons why I bring this episode up and one of the the answers to all of this is to really and truly understand how to find your center, how to know what to do in these moments of despair, in these moments where you feel like nothing's working, where you feel like you're lost, where you feel like you've taken multiple steps back, what is the one thing that holds true to bring you back to your center? Because ultimately, at least what I've found in my experience is that coming back to your center will, at the very minimum, bring you into a state of peace, even if it doesn't immediately alter the outside results that you think should be different in that moment. But the interesting thing about being in your center and being at peace with yourself is that you actually don't get bothered by the outside results not being what you think they should be. So it's a really beautiful strategy that you can always come back to. And it aligns very well with the Buddhist idea of right effort, or as we say with Zen Stoic philosophy, integral effort. It is the effort that is focused on the love of the process, not attached to the outcome. So you're never doing too much or too little. You're doing just the going pace of the effort of what you, whatever it is that you're doing. So what I thought to myself when I, you know, started finding myself experiencing these negative emotions, feeling my feeling myself, you know, stressed out and not at peace with how reality was, I thought to myself, I said, what is it that allows me to feel whole? What is it that allows me to feel like me? Because for a while, I wasn't feeling like me. I wasn't able to perform at the same level. The results of my business weren't what I wanted them to be. And so I just turned to what does actually allow me to feel like myself? What actually would make me feel at peace and centered and strong within myself? And What was interesting is the way that I actually got to this question now that I'm talking about it, now that I'm thinking about it, is I asked myself the question, what would I be doing with my perfect average day if I had all the money in the world that I wanted? Because one of the worries that I had in the Valley was that I wasn't making the kind of money that I wanted in my business. And so I asked myself the question, I said, what if I was making all the money that I could possibly want? What would I do with my day? And the answers that came through of what I would do with my average day were things that I am doing right now and that I have access to right now. In fact, more money wouldn't change the activities that I actually engage in, which number one, that was a beautiful reassurance that I am incredibly blessed and I get to do the things that I love on a daily basis and I have access to them. So that was a huge bit of gratitude that I wasn't considering previously. And number two, I also realized that I didn't need life to be the way that I thought it should be in order for me to do the things that would actually truly bring peace and happiness to myself. And so what I did is I just decided to start going back to what I like to call my fundamentals. What is it that in previous times that have, what, what activities have always held true for me and always brought me into that place of centeredness, that place of sovereignty. And so I'll share with you on this episode exactly what I do to bring myself back into my center. There was actually this really profound story that I heard called The Rainmaker, and I'm going to read it on this podcast episode because this is actually what initially started the thought of getting back to my center or getting back to the fundamentals when I felt lost. 
So this is the story of the Rainmaker, shared by Carl Jung as told to him by Richard Wilhelm. So there was a great drought where Wilhelm lived. For months, there had not been a drop of rain, and the situation became catastrophic. The Catholics made processions, the Protestants made prayers, and the Chinese burned jaw sticks and shot off guns to frighten away the demons of the drought, but with no result. Finally, the Chinese said, we will fetch the rainmaker, and from another province, a dried-up old man appeared. The only thing he asked for was a quiet little house somewhere, and he locked himself in there for three days. On the fourth day, clouds gathered and there was a great snowstorm at this time of year when no snow was expected, an unusual amount, and the town was so full of rumors about the wonderful rainmaker that Wilhelm went to ask the man how he did it. In true European fashion, he said, they call you the rainmaker. Will you tell me how you made the snow? And the old man said, I did not make the snow. I am not responsible. But what have you done these three days? Oh, I can explain that. I come from another country where things are in order. Here, they are out of order. They are not as they should be, by the ordinance of heaven. Therefore, the whole country is not in Tao. And I am also not in the natural order of things, because I am in a discorded country. So, I had to wait three days until I was back in Tao, and then naturally, the rain came. So one thing that this story did for me when I first heard it, which was actually a couple months ago, was it actually helped me realize the importance of being in one center. And the way to get into one center is to do the things that fill you up emotionally, things that are meaningful to you, things that bring you into a place of strength, into a place of fulfillment. And so for me, the way that my day started to look is I started to think back on when I've made these recoveries out of valleys before in my life, what was I doing? What was my focus on? What did I put my attention on? And it was all the simple things in my life, beginning with making sure that every morning I started the day with sunlight, hydration, and connecting intimately with my girlfriend, making sure that we had our morning walk with our dogs, and just having a really beautiful morning that intrinsically has gratitude woven within the experience and has peace woven within the experience, as well as things like the water and the sunlight that are inherent to me being in my nature as a human being, right? Really nourishing my physiology with these things. The next thing that I'd start doing is I'd start making sure I did a daily stretch. And so my stretching routine lasts 20 minutes and it brings me into a state of higher flexibility and mobility and also gets my blood flowing. And while I would do this, I, I would listen to a book or listen to some philosophy. And it was just something that I really enjoyed doing is to listen to philosophy or listen to a book that I was reading or interested in at the time while doing this stretching routine, while actually activating every bit of my body through this. Following that, I would make sure that I made time to sit in stillness and just breathe. And the breathing pattern that I do is a very simple one. I inhale through my nose until I can't bring in any more air into my belly. So I let my whole belly fill using my diaphragm to really fill it up. And then the moment when I can't take any more air in, I simply let the breath go. And I'll do that for about 10 minutes. And sometimes I'll do it with my eyes open. Sometimes I'll do it with my eyes closed. Sometimes I'll be inside. Sometimes I'll be outside. It doesn't really matter. The point is that I take those 10 minutes to just breathe and breathe in a way that allows me to regulate my nervous system. Following that, 
I might do things like going to the gym and orienting my life around my fitness because for me, I process a lot of the mental challenges that I might have or emotional challenges using my body, actually using my physicality to help me process the feelings that I'm experiencing. And so I started going and working out again on a regular basis. And so I'd start orienting my day around working out. But the workouts that I decided to choose were workouts that have really helped me substantially in the past. So I started using Ben Patrick's ATG workouts, or as he's known on Instagram, the knees over toes guy, in training both strength and mobility simultaneously. So this was a really important thing that I wove into my day. And so it started allowing me to feel strong. And one of the reasons why I chose the ATG workouts is not just because of the mobility and reduction of pain in the body that they bring, but because the overall philosophy is something that I align with. See, much of the movements that Ben Patrick does in the Needs Over Toes program, the ATG system, is he's doing movements that go against conventional wisdom in the fitness world, like putting your knees over your toes during a squat or doing something like a Jefferson curl, which is actually a, an exercise to strengthen your back, where your back is not actually straight in the exercise or arched. You're actually curving your back on purpose. Now, I think the what's really amazing about this and what's fascinating is that you're training positions that you normally get hurt in, positions that you're normally weak in. Now, I think this is really draws a lot of really interesting parallels with Zen Stoic philosophy because what we want to do, especially when we're exploring things like the unconscious mind and we're digging in and we're doing work on ourselves, we're reflecting on things that you know may be troubling or difficult to face within ourselves. We don't want to train ourselves by avoiding what's difficult, but we want to be able to become strong in the face of what's difficult. So this workout philosophy actually linked up and aligned very well to my philosophy around coaching, around being able to be strong in perceived weak positions. But the only reason why those positions are weak or compromised is because we never strengthen them in the first place. So to me, this was this was huge and bring me back, bringing me back to my center and into my fundamentals. Now, the next thing that I, I also started to change is I started going back and eating the way that I was eating last year, which was doing wonders for me. Um, it was the animal-based diet that Paul Saladino you know, talks about on Instagram and on social media, where essentially the diet is primarily meat, fruit, dairy, honey, and organs. Now the organs are taken via supplements, at least in the way that I do it. But I, my, my diet and the way that I started looking at this is like, what is the food that actually allows me to feel energized? And so I decided to make my diet animal-based plus pancakes. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> is that I follow the animal-based diet, but I also make sure that I add in pancakes. Now, why pancakes? Because Pancakes are not for my body per se. I like to say that they're for my soul because there's something that actually brings me a lot of joy. And it's not for me, it's not about being strict to these things and following the diets exactly as they are for the sake of following the diets, but it's more so what actually allows me to feel good. What actually allows me to feel like I have energy. I remember previously when I tried it, I, I felt better and more energized than I ever have. But there was a thing that I was missing the first time around, which is supplementing with the organ supplements, um, which are extremely nutrient dense. So I brought that into my diet and that has helped me to feel loads better, but also not being so strict with myself that I wouldn't let myself ha to have pancakes because they bring me joy every time. So if anybody ever asks me how I eat, I say it's animal based plus pancakes. So I eat the foods that nourish me. I eat the foods that make me feel good, that make me feel energized. And 
I also make sure that I'm working out and I'm orienting my day around my fitness, around my physicality, because it actually helps me think through things. Like I get creative ideas, creative bursts. And if I'm only focusing on working, which actually takes me out of my center and not doing the things I love, like working out, training jujitsu, all of that, then my creativity starts to dull versus when I actually start doing these things correctly, it starts to amplify. So I brought in the knees over toes workouts. I started eating animal-based plus pancakes. And I also made sure that I was prioritizing training jujitsu. And training jujitsu is something that has always been a passion of mine. I've been training now for almost seven years. And being in the room and just being in the training room, practicing and doing my thing also brings me a lot of clarity, a lot of excitement. Now, in addition to that, the other things that I really enjoy doing that bring me back into my center is doing creative work, right? The creative work like this podcast, creative work like writing or, you know, reworking different coaching processes. And so that has really helped. So creative work. And then lastly is making sure that every day I'm having meaningful and fulfilling conversations, whether those are coaching conversations or conversations with friends that I feel like we're, you know, having a lot of laughter, a lot of great insights. That is ultimately what has always brought me a lot of joy. I've always had this belief that a great conversation can change your life and great conversations held consistently and backed up with sincere action can change the world. And so me doing all of these things between the morning stretch and sunlight and hydration and then connecting with my girlfriend and making sure that we have quality time together with me, her, and then me, her, and the dogs, and then making sure that I'm going to the gym and doing these workouts that really align with my philosophy of life, eating the way that is going to energize me, doing creative work, coaching clients, having these awesome conversations and training jujitsu. All of these things bring me into my center. They bring me into my dial and I start to become a lot more at peace with myself, a lot more fulfilled because I'm doing exactly what I would be doing no matter the amount of money that I was bringing in. And so doing that has allowed me to shed away a lot of the stress, a lot of the fears, a lot of the anxieties that had come up while I was in this valley and have really allowed me to be me. And what I also thought was interesting is that while I was in that stressful state, not only did I not want to create, but I didn't feel inspired to do so. And I realized that that's not the state for me to create in. What that state is for whenever I'm feeling those ways is to actually come back into my center doing the things, doing my fundamentals, my foundations. So what I'd invite you to do in listening to this is to come up with a list of what are the activities that you would do on your perfect average day and orient your day around that. Orient your day around what is it that you would do to bring yourself into your center and your fundamentals because whether you are in a peak or a valley, this is the one thing that remains consistent that you can always come back to. This is the one thing that you can give yourself validation for because we can't control the outside outcomes. We can only control what it is that we choose to do with our days and what it is that's going to create meaning for us. So if you're asking yourself, what kind of day will bring me back in my center? It's always process oriented. It's to love the process that you're doing to have that integral effort to really come into your center with truly the things that are most meaningful and important to you. And by doing so, and being consistent and doing what you say you're going to do for yourself each day, what you start doing is you start making your word law in your universe because you are consistently setting and meeting expectations with yourself that are fully within your control and not dependent on some outside outcome in order to validate you.
So this is what I've done to come back into my center, to come back into my Tao. And again, once you are in your center and you're doing these foundational or fundamental activities, what you start to realize is that the outcome and the results don't have an effect on your inner peace. And as a result of that, because you're at peace, you can start becoming more magnetic as a person, more confident, and being able to create the results that you truly seek because you're doing it from a place of peace, not a place of stress. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you found this valuable and this has been helpful for you, please like, comment, and subscribe, or share this with somebody that you care about. Now, before we wrap up, I do have a quick announcement. So the Zen Stoic Path has been a passion of mine for a long time. I've been doing this show since 2021, and this show began as something that was just me essentially thinking through my thoughts and using my own philosophy to work through the challenges that I was facing in my life and to pursue the goals that I had in my life. And it's become something that has helped a lot of people. I've been truly blessed with the amount of people who have sent me messages on Instagram at victor.zenstoic. Every time somebody has sent me a message telling me how the show has helped them or how they've really enjoyed the content, it's brought joy to my heart every single time. So I, I feel truly blessed and grateful to be doing this show. And we're going to be taking a little break from this show for the rest of the year. And we're going to be actually coming out with a Zen Stoic Path Season 2. So we're going to be revamping the podcast, giving it a little bit of a facelift, and bringing in some additional really cool resources for the listeners of this podcast. We're going to be bringing in Zen Stoic Meditations. We're going to be talking about actually building a community where you can actually go and discuss with other listeners what you found interesting and what your takeaways were from the episode, as well as being able to ask me your questions directly. So... I'm truly excited for this next phase of the Zen Stoic Path. Thank you so much for being a listener. I'm incredibly grateful for you. And this show wouldn't be possible without your support, without your engagement in this. So I am truly grateful for the opportunity to be able to share my life, to share these you know pieces of work that I've developed over time. And thank you again. I look forward to seeing you in the new year on the Zen Stoic Path Season 2.